Howdy folks and welcome to the Old Hat Podcast. This is James Chambliss, your host of the Old Hat Podcast, because I'm called Old Hat by a lot of folks. I'm glad you're here. This is episode 8 of the podcast and I've been having a good time for the first 7 and you've obviously been enjoying them too and I appreciate hearing from you about that. Today's podcast is brought to you as usual by coffee. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else, a little bit of Mexican food maybe, but mostly coffee, that's what you brought to. was having a conversation with my bride recently about coffee, and it turns out that we like different things in coffee. She likes a blend. She likes a blend that's got some dark tones and some medium tones and then some light tones. She's got a very sophisticated palate. Me, I'm just kind of a simple guy. I like a single source bean. Now, I like a lot of different beans. I like Ethiopian. All the Ethiopians, Yergeshef or Sadama or you name it, I like them all. Sumatran is good. Tanzanian pea berry, if you can find it, is good stuff. But I like the single source beans. I like her a lot better, though. Uh, so I'm always trying to come up with a blend that she would like. Uh, so this week I've been playing around with, uh, with a combination of beans that, uh, let's see, I, I got some at Sam's Club. They're kind of a dark roast. They call it a medium roast, but it's a really, really dark roast. Comes in that big two pound red bag, good stuff. Uh, and then I've got some medium roast Ethiopian Yergeshef beans that I bought at Central Market in Dallas. And I buy it at Central Market in Dallas two hours from my house because that's the closest HEB I can find that sells good coffee beans. We don't have them here in the wilderness. Um, and then I bought some light roasted Honduran beans from my favorite coffee roaster. Uh, my friend Julie owns Kingdom Growers Coffee in, um, Forney, Texas, the thriving metropolis of Forney, Texas, and uh, it's kingdomgrowers.com if you want to buy yourself some beans and try them out, and you can buy them green, for that matter. If you want to roast them yourself, you can, uh, you can do that. But I like them because they're right here in Texas, of course, and I like them because it's coffee and a good cause. It's not just keeping uh, old cowboys caffeinated. They, <laughs> they actually they work with a farming co-op uh, in South America and Asia. And and the mission of the co-op is to actually benefit the actual coffee farmers. So uh, you can read more about it on their website. Again, they're not paying anything for this. This is not a sponsored. I just like them a lot. So if you like good coffee, that's a good place to get it. Kingdom Growers, they've got a simple mission and great coffee. And so while I was drinking my coffee today, I was thinking about what you might like to hear as stories go. And uh, And my wife had recently pointed out that everybody loves puppy stories. And I do have some good puppy stories because I had a good puppy. Uh, back when I was uh, at Sassy Ranch, I had just started working there and hired a man that lived right outside the gate. Wasn't that handy? His name was Herbert. And he had actually worked for the guy that leased the land before we did. And when that guy's lease was up and we took it over, Herbert just didn't want to move again. And so he asked if I needed a cowboy and I surely needed a cowboy. <laughs> needed some good help and he was right there with his wife and two sons just outside the gate of the ranch and so we hired him and and worked together for a while and he had uh, two sons that were both pretty young they were running around age they weren't babies you know they were maybe eight or ten and like every country boy they had a dog they had a black labrador kind of a small size black labrador that they called Ramy, and she was a sweetheart and whenever they'd come down to the ranch why well, she'd tag along with them and at some point, uh, Ramey had a bunch of puppies, and they, uh, the boys asked me, did I want one of their puppies? And I knew what might happen to their puppies if I didn't take one, and so 
I said, sure, I'd take a puppy. Uh, so Raimi's the mommy? Yeah. Well, who's the daddy? Well, I don't know. Daddy says it's a traveling man. Which y'all may not know, but traveling man is a nice way of saying we don't have any idea who the daddy dog is. We just know he's not one of the locals. <laughs> so that's they had six or seven puppies, and uh, and I told them I would take one. And so one day they show up at the ranch in the wintertime, and they bring me this little black and tan ball of fur that they tell me is named Toby. And they drop Toby off with me and they're arguing ferociously over whether Toby is eight weeks old or nine weeks old because they're both considering themselves to be the expert on the age of this puppy. So I don't know, Toby was eight or nine weeks old. We never did uh, we never didn't nail that number down well. <laughs> I don't guess a week matters. You know, it's funny, it's you. It's like children, you count them by, um, he's this many weeks old, he's this many months old, and then eventually nobody cares anymore. No, if I, w- if I was off by a week estimating my age, nobody would care. That happens with dogs eventually, too. So, Toby was eight or nine weeks old when they dropped him off. Cute little thing, uh, black and tan, kind of Rottweiler colors, but he wasn't a Rottweiler. He was, you know, half Labrador and half traveling man. And they had put a little collar on him. And of course, I was about to drive off and get hay for my mama cows. And so I took some uh, some twine, some baling twine, and I tied him up at the barn so he wouldn't follow me. Because, you know, he's a nine-week-old puppy. He can't go very far. He's just going to get in trouble, right? Maybe get lost. And so I get on my tractor, and I've tied Toby up at the barn, and I've uh, driven off. And it's about a mile to where I've got the hay stacked and then I've got to drive a mile back and so I I drive over and I get two bells and I drive back down I'm off the ranch for a little time out on the county road back by the main barn which is where I had Toby tied up I thought and uh, then down the hill pretty steep hill down to what we call the old Dutch roof barn and that's where I had my 25 mama cows now these were my very first cows. I'd never had mama cows before, and so it was pretty exciting. They all had names, and they all had very distinct personalities, <laughs> and they all knew me. Some of them liked me, and some of them didn't. And they ranged all the way from uh, Gertrude, who uh, was a red cow with great big horns, just huge, like she might be part Longhorn in there somewhere. And she was so gentle. If I needed to lead all of my cows somewhere and I didn't have a horse with me or any feed with me, because most cows will follow a paper sack if you've got one, I could put some rocks in my hat and rattle my hat and Gertrude would come to see what I was, you know, what I had on offer. And she'd follow me wherever I went. And of course, you get one going, the rest of them will go like a bell cow. And so she would follow me along. But she was such a gentle cow. You could, uh, you could stand in the pasture and milk her. I mean, she was, most cows don't let you do that, right? Okay, even milk cows typically won't let you do that. But she was very calm and very willing to be petted and scratched and touched, and she just didn't mind any of that attention. Almost more like a cat than a, or, or a dog than she was a cow, but she still weighed 900 pounds and had great big horns, antlers, I called them. They were huge. So, you know, she could hurt you without thinking about it, but uh, most of the time she was real easy to get along with. And at the other end of the spectrum was a cow I called Stripe. She is a a Brahma cross, and she had a white stripe over one eye. And she, uh, I'm going to teach you some cowboy cuss words, and your mom won't mind you saying them, because they they aren't actually cuss words anywhere but the pasture. But high-headed and no driving. So Stripe was high-headed and no driving. 
She would stand off when I'd go out there and call my cows up. She'd stand way off in the distance with her head cocked way up and looking down her nose at me like she thought I was up to something. High-headed. She literally was high-headed. And then no driving because you couldn't make her go anywhere. You know, she did, if you wanted them to go out the gate, she wanted to stay. And if you wanted them to stay, well, she wanted to go out of the gate. You couldn't drive her anywhere. She was high-headed and no driving. And about, that's about the meanest thing a cowboy can say about any particular animal is that they're high-headed and no driving. So now you know how to swear in cowboy. Just remember that your mom probably is more worried about the intent than the actual words. So be warned and use those words carefully. But this is a family podcast, so that's about as bad as it's going to get here. The good thing about Stripe is Stripe didn't have any horns. She was what we called pole, so she didn't have horns, and that was good because she sure could have hurt a cowboy or hurt a horse or a dog had she had horns. You know, sometimes you'll cut a cow's horns off so they don't hurt each other or their favorite cowboy. Uh, and Gertrude, I just let her keep her horns because she was so easy to get along with. Well, I mentioned that it was winter time, and I had gone to get hay for them, and I had dropped off one bale in another pasture, and so I'm headed down to where my mama cows are by the old Dutch roof barn, and I turn off the little iron ore road, and I pull up to the gate, and uh, it's calving time, so all of my mama cows are having baby calves, and Gertrude has a brand new baby, maybe two days old at that time, and uh, and they're standing right there by the barn. No big deal. Everybody's spread out looking for something to eat or down by the creek drinking or whatever, but Gertrude and her calf are over by the barn, which is pretty close to the gate, but not, you know, not real close. Now, I'm not worried about opening the gate because she's not going anywhere because I brought food, and that's Gertrude's main motivation is eating. So I got down to open the gate, and about the time I got the gate open and turned my back to head back to my tractor, I got viciously attacked. I mean, just out of nowhere, I'm minding my own business. I'm headed and I'm and nobody's close but Gertrude, right? I cannot figure out what has happened. But suddenly I am shoved up against the tractor, the front tire of the tractor, which is a big tire. And it hits me about waist high and I'm leaning on it and I try to get away and the cow steps on one of my feet. And so I finally, you know, I get twisted around a little bit trying to fight off this cow that's after me. It's Gertrude, y'all, and she is standing on one of my feet, and I can't get away because she's crushing my foot. And she is hooking her horns up under the tractor. She's not really trying to hook me. She's trying to hook under the tractor for some reason. But every time she rears her head back to get another swing going at whatever she's attacking under the tractor, she whacks me in the ribs with the other horn. And this just keeps going on, and I'm screaming and hollering. Probably, let's be honest, I'm probably hollering something besides, you know, high-headed and no driving. But it was pretty, it was, pretty, it was an extreme situation, and I was probably taking extreme action. But I couldn't get away from her. And she just kept beating me in the ribs and stomping on my foot. And I was trying to get away, and she was just, man, she just was after me. She had lost her mind. She was just trying to protect her calf, and I know that, but. Man, I was getting beat up for reasons I couldn't understand. So I'm trapped, and I'm trying to see what she's after, because anything that's got her this upset might be after me, too. You know, there could be coyotes, because it's wintertime, and she does have a baby, and I may just be, you know, an innocent bystander that got caught in the crossfire. And so I'm trying to hang on to her horn, and she's trying. I'm trying to shove her off of my foot, 
I'm trying to get away at this point, but I'm trying to figure out what she's after. And under my tractor, I see this little black and tan puppy hovering on the other side of the tire. And she is, I'm screaming now at the puppy and I'm screaming at the cow and I'm just screaming because it hurts like you do. And she finally stepped off of my foot and I chinned up on the hay spear. Now, I wouldn't have thought I could pull myself up on a hay spear one handed, but I did. And I hung on to the hay spear and kicked her in the head until she ran off to go find her baby. And I hang up there until she gets all the way back inside the uh, the fence and grab, you know, gathers up her baby and they run off around the barn. And I'm thinking I'm kind of safe. And so I fall off of my hay spear and collapse in a heap on the ground. <laughs> and I, I finally drag myself over and shut the gate so she can't come back and get me again. And I lay there and count my bones. That's what I call it. I don't know what you call it. You just kind of go through the inventory and go, okay, how bad is this? And my foot is really hurting, but I think it's not broken. And my ribs really, really hurt. And it turns out that three of them were fractured. So, But I'm in good enough shape to get up and, and uh, go looking for the puppy. Now, oddly enough, he won't come when I call him, which is a big surprise, right? Because I'd been... <laughs> I'd been probably equally cursing him and the cow to everlasting damnation for a while there. And so he was not interested in, in coming out. And I, I finally catch my breath and I, I walk around the tractor and I, and I finally tracked him down, which wasn't hard because all I did was follow the trail of pee-pee. <laughs> you know, scared puppies, that's what they do. And he left this trail of pee-pee all the way over to a little stand of, uh, of broom straw. Uh, which is just tall, dead weeds in the wintertime. And, and he's inside of the stand of broom straw, and the broom straw is vibrating because he is so afraid. He's in there just, he's just cowering and, and hiding and just shaking for all he's worth. And so I finally, I, I talk him into letting me pick him up, and I, I hold him and I comfort him. And then I took him up on my lap uh, and put him on the tractor to ride with me back to the barn. And that was the beginning of a, a beautiful friendship. It was certainly uh, a rough start to the friendship, but the best was yet to come, as it turns out. Have you had friends like that? I had a friend like that in fourth grade. Uh, I'd moved to a new school. When I was a kid, we moved every year. My early life, we just were somewhere different every year. And we moved uh, to a, a big town. For me, it was a big town in fourth grade. and. Uh, Y'all, I didn't know much. And this kid came in. He was new there, too. And he had long hair. Now, everybody else in this school had short hair like me. I, of course, I nearly had a flat top at that point. And, uh, and I, they had told me the rules, and I was big on following rules back then. And uh, I met this guy, and I told him, hey, you're going to have to get a haircut. And he, uh, he responded poorly to that. And, uh, and it wasn't any of my business. I shouldn't have been bothering him about that. And he, he was right. Rough way to start a friendship, but you know, he became my best friend and we hung out together for years and years together because he was just such a great friend. We had a lot of fun together. Well, sometimes things start out rough and get better. And that's what happened with me and Toby. Things started out rough with that dog, but they sure got better after that. And he saved my life many times to the extent that my bride is firmly convinced that he wasn't really a dog. He was an angel that uh, the Lord had sent down here to take care of me. He had been my guardian angel. And there were a lot of times where he took care of me, sometimes when I needed it, 
And sometimes when I didn't, <laughs> but he was always with me wherever I went. If I went to Dallas, uh, he went with me and would sleep in the truck. And if, uh, if I went to church, he would go with me. In fact, one time I was there for a, a deacon's meeting or something and I took the dog and, um, you know, just left him in the truck and I went in and was in my meeting and somebody came in and said, Hey, old hat, there's uh, the kids are on the playground and they'd like to come in now. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, why they need my decision on that. I said, well, I think they should come in. And she said, well, your dog won't let them out of the playground. He had, <laughs> he had apparently thought he herded the children into the playground and wouldn't let them off. They wasn't going to let them leave. So I had to go, <laughs> I had to go whistle my dog off and make him get in the truck. That was the way to turn Toby off was to tell him, get in the truck. And he would load up and he was ready to go. And he went with me everywhere. And if I didn't let him go, he would just whine and be disconsolate at home. Uh, he was an outdoor dog, not an indoor dog. But when I left him home and he was upset, my lovely bride would tell him to come in the house and she would keep him company. And he was a nervous wreck. He had a great big old tail. He ended up weighing about 110 pounds and being a big dog. And he'd get nervous in the house and she'd tell him he was a good boy and he's, he'd wag his tail and empty the coffee table of all of its contents. <laughs> and before you know it, he's cowering over by the door. Please let me out. Please let me out. I don't belong in the house. I'm an outside dog. And she'd let him back out. But he would stow away with me whenever I would go. And it is good to have somebody that will run around with you like that. Toby was good company to me. And I've got a lot more stories to tell you about Toby the dog, not to be confused with Toby the boy. I cowboyed with a man who had a son named Toby, and whenever we talked, we'd have to distinguish whether we were talking about Toby the boy or Toby the dog, or things would get confused in a great big hurry. There you have it, the story of Toby, the start of a beautiful friendship. Thanks for listening to the Old Hat Podcast, Episode 8. Please share the podcast with your friends if you enjoy it. Leave a review on iTunes if you get a chance. We've got 25 five-star reviews, and some of them are from people I don't know, which is kind of exciting. Uh, we're still uh, traveling around the world with the podcast. About 4% of the popularity of the podcast is in Japan. We're growing fast in Japan. Does anybody know anybody in South America that might listen to the podcast? We've got a big blank space down there in South America, and I know they're busy, but I'd love for somebody to listen to the podcast down there. Folks, I'm going to leave you with this one thought because it uh, really is true. The best is yet to come. Hang in there. This is Old Hat signing off.